Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Michael Cunningham and Adam Wheeler. Hello. We're kicking off the 2021 Books and Bites challenge with today's episode, and we have 12 new reading prompts for you. This year's challenge will work a little differently. Adam, do you want to explain how that's going to work? All right. So this year we are uh, splitting up prizes differently. We have one monthly uh, drawing for a $25 gift card to Joseph Beth Booksellers. So you don't have to participate for the entire challenge. You don't have to do every month to possibly win a prize. But the more you participate, the more likely you are to win. And then at the end, we have a grand prize for a $100 gift card to Joseph Beth Booksellers. Um, so for that one, each month they participate, they also get a, a, an entry into that grand prize drawing. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so you just, every month you'll fill out a form. You can, again, read the prompts in any order that you want. You don't have to do it following along with us on the podcast. Um, but at the end of the month, you'll want to submit for the prompt that you completed. And um, we'll draw a prize for that month. And then at the end of the year, we'll um, put everybody's entries into the pot and um, pull out the grand prize winner. And um, we also have bonus entries this time. So you can earn an extra entry into the prize drawings every time you read an author who has a different identity than you. And that could include age, ability, race, ethnicity, sexuality, religion, gender, or socioeconomic status. And the goal with um, these bonus entries are to read more diversely and to read more authors from underrepresented groups. So we're not going to ask you how the author's identity is different than yours. It's just like everything. It's on the honor system. But we do hope that everyone will keep the spirit of the challenge in mind when you're when you choose bonus entry on the form. So for example, I am a straight white woman, and I would not consider a book by an able-bodied straight white man to be a bonus entry. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts about that? I don't know. We're all librarians, so I guess uh, we are all white librarians, so I, don't, yeah. I imagine we can't uh, read a book by like a, a rich white man and have that... <laughs> <laughs> be be uh what we're kind of going for yeah i mean i i think um we probably all because white people are the majority the clear majority of publishing um published authors um reading reading more white authors does not really accomplish the uh now um if the white author um, is differently abled or is gay or, you know, maybe a, a religious group that um, has been underrepresented. You know, I think, I think there's certainly room for other identities. 
Yeah, maybe oh, if yeah. like Leah, not Cremini, Remini, like Leah Remini. I don't know if she did a, a book about her experience with Scientology, but that would probably count. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would definitely suggest checking out like the own voices hashtag. Um, that should lead you to some diverse choices, uh, rainbow book lists. There's there's all kinds of resources out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And obviously, we can always steer you in that direction as well. Are you saying librarians give book suggestions? I didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't um, librarians kind of live for giving book suggestions? I guess so. I guess you could consider that a major part of our job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have any questions about that, feel free to... Um, Send us an email at podcast at justpublib.org and we'll be happy to answer it. So for this episode of the podcast, we're talking about first books in a series. Do you all read a lot of series? Uh, do you read mm -hmm. comics? So those are usually always a series. So yes. Uh, and then I like fantasy books, which are very often in series. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't read a lot of series. They tend to be long and, uh, you know, with really thick books. <laughs> uh, um, so, I mean, they seem pretty daunting to me. Um, mm -hmm. But I've I, I, I read a few. I mean, one of my favorites was the Game of Thrones series. They oh, yeah? Ice and Fire, so... Yeah. Those are pretty thick books, aren't no, they? I know. And I flew through them. I'm just waiting on, and I've been waiting 10 years for the next <laughs> one to be published. Yeah. As I say, Michael, you might enjoy, there is a YA horror series. Uh, each book is not very long. Mm -hmm. and it is The Merciless by Daniel Vega. It has like demonic possession and all kinds of Ooh. stuff. It's Surprisingly yeah. brutal for a YA series, I, in my opinion. But it's good. Check that out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't read a whole lot of series myself. I know it seems like people who like to read series, they like knowing what they're going to get. Like, like kind of having, you know, some idea of what the book's going to be like. And I tend to get you know, I'll read maybe one or two in a series. And after that, I get a little bored with it because um, it's the same. <laughs> um, unless it's like uh, some literary series will, um, like one of the books I'm going to talk about today, um, will, they're not books that you have to read in a particular order, but they'll explore different characters you know, from the same community or same family or whatever. Um, so it's more look, like looking at a different point of view, which I find more interesting than reading about the same characters over and over. For sure. Yeah. Even if you really like those characters? You know, it's hard to think of examples. I, I think maybe when I was a child, you know, I would read, I would read series a lot more, like, mm -hmm. you know, probably read all of the Anne of Green Gables series, just as an example, or would read um, uh, Nancy Drew or, or whatever. Um, 
And, and plus, we have to read so much and so many different things that who has the time to read yeah. one? That's one true. Series. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I enjoyed Harry Potter back in the day. I mean, mm -hmm. you got emotionally invested in that character and mm -hmm. his friends and. For this challenge, I read Still Life, the first book in the Inspector Gamache series of mysteries by Louise Penny. Quite a few people have recommended this series to me, including two of our Books and Bites book club regulars, and I'm glad I was finally able to read it. Chief Inspector Armand Gamache is a Montreal detective investigating the death of 76-year-old Jane Neal in the village of Three Pines. Jane appears to have been killed by a bow and arrow over the Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. Her friends can't imagine who would want her dead and think it must have been a hunting accident. However, Inspector Gamache's investigation reveals foul play, and in classic cozy mystery form, all the villagers become suspects. This is one of those novels where the characters and setting are just as important as the plot. Three Pines is the ideal village. There's a bookstore, a cafe, and an arts festival, and the Quebec location means there's just enough French peppered throughout to make the setting feel both exotic and familiar. The residents include artists, a poet, bookstore and cafe owners, and an antiques dealer. These aren't stock characters, but rather strong secondary characters whose relationships to each other and to the victim are essential to the story. I did find it sometimes difficult to keep track of all the characters because there are so many, but I imagine that this will get easier as the series progresses. The people who recommended this book to me said they found Inspector Gamache to be a compelling character. He's a charming and introspective detective who doesn't have the major flaws that are so common in police procedurals. You know, there's no drinking problem or <laughs> things like that, at least, at least in the beginning. I have to admit that I found him to be just a little too perfect, but I have been assured that he does become more complicated in later novels. The plot of Still Life is fairly intricate, and I found the ending satisfying. Suspense lovers may want to pass on this book, as it's definitely a slow burn. That's not a problem for me, since, unlike Michael, I prefer a book that won't keep me up at night. <laughs> Whether it's Horton's Coffee and Brioche, I think I've heard Horton's Coffee is kind of like the Canadian Dunkin' Donuts. Cafe sandwiches or Thanksgiving meal, food is richly described throughout the novel. You can even find recipes inspired by the books on the series website, such as the roast turkey and chestnut stuffing that the characters enjoy in still life. If you're over the turkey thing at this point in the season, I know I am. You could look ahead to a dish that's featured in the rest of the series, a lemon meringue pie. Dory Greenspan created a lemon meringue cookie recipe that's inspired by Inspector Gamache's love of that dessert. It combines a vanilla shortbread cookie with lemon curd and meringue. 
and we'll link to both recipes on our blog. So is this a cozy mystery? Yeah, it's definitely cozy. There's not a lot of on of violence on the page. You know, she's the victim is killed in this hunting accident. You don't really see it or anything. There is kind of a, a hostage situation. So there is a little a little more violent. But yeah, nothing's graphic. It's this co very cozy village setting that, you know. You'd definitely like to go visit on a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not a you know a haunted, hard drinking. Uh, no. Director, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, what was the um, what was the mystery we read together? Um, uh, Bluebird, Bluebird. Yes, Bluebird, Bluebird. He was a little more flawed than yeah. this Inspector Gamash. <laughs> I know this is not the thing to focus on, but I had no idea there is a Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> really? Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, you know, I thought that was just like a, a weird American holiday. Well, apparently it's a weird um, Canadian holiday too, and they celebrate it similarly to how we celebrate it with okay. turkey and dressing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't know much about it other than it's on the calendar in October, usually. <laughs> usually it says Canadian Thanksgiving, hmm. whatever, the, whatever the day is. Guess you've never seen that. If I have, I don't remember. But I did. <laughs> I did see Tim Hortons when I was up in Michigan. Oh, they have them in Michigan too, huh? Yeah, yeah it's close enough. I recommend reading Agents of Dreamland by Caitlin R. Kiernan, the first book in the Tinfoil Dossier Trilogy. It's followed by Black Helicopters and the recently published conclusion to the series, The Tindalos Asset. They're all pretty quick reads with a second book, the longest of the three, clocking in at just over 200 pages. So this is a genre-bending series that blends together familiar tropes of noir, science fiction, and fantasy with large helpings of cosmic horror, pulling specifically from H.P. Lovecraft's story, The Whisperer in the Darkness. The story opens with a signalman, a jaded alcoholic agent for a shadowy government organization, stepping off the train in Winslow, Arizona. He's set to meet Emma Collada Sexton, an operative for a shadowy British government agency, and possibly not from this world or dimension at a local diner. The, the signalman is after an exchange of information. About a week passed, he was the first on scene at a dilapidated house on the shores of the Salton Sea, investigating the gruesome aftermath of a cult ritual involving an alien fungus similar to the, the Ophiocoidriceps unilateris, aka the zombie ant fungus, is now looking to locate the cult missing leader, Drew Standish. Sprinkled throughout are chapters from Chloe Stringfellow's point of view, a devout follower of Standish that really amps up the weirdness and calls to mind Jeff Vandermeer's work. As the signalman tries to come to terms with the horrors he's seen, Emma Collada, who can travel outside of space and time, tries to understand how these events relate to the recent loss of contact with a New Horizons satellite orbiting Pluto and the similar 1927 happenings in the hills of Vermont and what can be done to save humanity from annihilation. 
This nonlinear novella skillfully captures the mood and atmosphere, cosmic and Lovecraftian horror of people dealing with things beyond what the human mind can comprehend. Even though things get a little weird and sometimes a little uncomfortable, the story is positively compelling. Fans of Lovecraft and Jeff Vandermeer's work, like the Southern Reach trilogy, would enjoy this series, as would fans of David Cronenberg's films. The e-audiobook is available through Hoopla Digital. So I paired this book with a dish called Pasta with Whiskey, Wine, and Mushrooms, a recipe from the Pioneer Woman's website. This alien fungus-free dish calls for baby portobello sliced, onion, white wine, whiskey, and mustachioli pasta. She uses Jack Daniels, but I use bourbon like a true Kentuckian, and it was just as delicious. If you're a, if you're a mushroom fan, I would highly recommend it. <laughs> That's funny that you paired a mushroom dish with a book about alien fungus. <laughs> <laughs> or fungus. An alien, yeah, fungus. I'm allergic to mushrooms, actually, so I probably wouldn't do too well with the alien I, fungus. No. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the zombie ant fungus? No. Oh my gosh. So after reading about it, I looked it up. It's a real thing? Yeah. Um, So there's like a giant stem that kind of grows out the back of their necks. And so they'll crawl up underneath a leaf and it will make them bite with their mandibles and latch on. And then spores will spread and just, you know, kind of go off with other ants and then more and more. So wow. It, and like it I've seen it in spiders. It's it's pretty pretty wicked looking if you ever <laughs> you go on Google and look it up. Poor but, little ants. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of eats them from the inside out it looks like. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kicking off this year's Books and Bites with Quincredible, Quest to be the Best, written by Rodney Barnes and illustrated by Selena Espiritu. This superhero story published by Lion Forge Comics is the first volume in the series about indestructible high school sophomore Quentin Quest, or Quinn. Uh, Set in New Orleans post-Katrina and a fictional meteor shower, some citizens of NOLA have become enhanced, or gifted with superpowers. Our hero, Quinn, gained invulnerability. Though he's initially not impressed by his status as a self-described bully-punching bag, uh, adversity leads him to realize that his real strength is his strong intellect, which he uses to trick, trap, and bamboozle would-be villains. Characters are mainly Black, including the varied roster of superheroes that protect the streets of New Orleans. I'm really happy to see more diversity being offered in comics overall. I think we're sort of going through a comic renaissance where more and more people can find characters and stories that they can identify with. And that's a that's a really good thing. It is. Um, uh, Quinn Credible goes a step further than some superhero stories in that there is some serious weighing about exactly what superheroes should do. The story has some dives into what situations are creating criminal behavior, the importance of improving communities rather than focusing on punishment, and the way that communities are shaped by systemic racism. 
It also does a good job of showing the different perspectives of everyone involved in the book's events and how each of them essentially believes they are doing the right thing. It's got an important lesson that very few people actually set out to be a villain. And it's all about perspective to an extent. <laughs> and sometimes you need some careful introspection to make sure that what you're doing really is the right thing. I think Quincredible is a good story and look forward to seeing where they go with the series. My one real criticism is that some of the character development feels a little unplausible. Like there's some really fast forgiveness and understanding, which I'm not certain fits with human behavior. Uh, but we're dealing with comics. A little implausibility is allowed in my book when we're talking about superhero stories. Uh, especially since the focus is more on what should be rather than what actually is. Um, if you want to give it a read, Quincredible Quest to be the Best is available from JCPL on Hoopla Digital. So <laughs> during an evening of consternation, Quinn's mother makes his favorite chicken salad. While we can only guess how delicious Quinn's chicken salad was, I'm going to recommend the complex flavors of Dijon apricot chicken salad. This salad packs the flavorful punch of Dijon mustard in contrast with sweet honey and apricots and a little tanginess from lemon and garlic. You'll have the nutrients to strive for a better world with the added mix-in of crunchy bok choy. Find the recipe for Dijon apricot chicken salad in the Everything Salad Book by... Uh, Aisha Sherman on Libby or uh, Kentucky Libraries Unbound. That sounds really yeah. good. And a yeah. far cry from your last, your December books and bites recipes. What was it? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that book, I'm, um, I'm curious, um, first off, is that a book for teens or adults? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a YA book. They recommend it specifically for junior high, so seventh through ninth grade. But, you know, it's middle schoolers could read it just fine, fifth graders even, um, and high schoolers. And did you say, well, you said it was post-Katrina, like how... How post Katrina is Katrina involved in the plot? At all? It's not involved in the plot. It's happened after Katrina. There's some mention of some sad stuff, like uh, when he's working through ways to deal with some invaders in a particular place. He remembers that back in Katrina, some people went up to the attics of their houses and they got trapped up there because there's no windows or anything. Um, I would say it's probably a few years after Katrina. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a good one. Yeah. 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 Sure is. I first talked about Autumn, the first book in Allie Smith's seasonal series, several years ago on Books and Bites. Shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize, Autumn focuses on Elizabeth, a 32-year-old art history professor, and her relationship to her 101-year-old former neighbor, Daniel. 
The novel moves back and forth between the two main characters' points of view and includes a couple of subplots, one involving pop artist Pauline Body and another involving the changes happening in the UK in the fall of 2016. Autumn is about aging and time, but it's also about living in a divided nation. The language is thrilling and poetic, and it's a joy to just to see where it leads. Although the book is about serious topics and uses a non-traditional structure, it also manages to be warm and funny. I've since read all of the books in the series, and though Autumn is still my favorite, I highly recommend them. The most recent one, Summer, was published in the United States in August 2020, and it's actually one of the first novels to be set partially in the early days of the COVID pandemic. Another favorite I recommended in a past episode of Books and Bites is The Beekeeper's Apprentice, the first book in Laurie R. King's Mary Russell series. The book opens in 1915 when the 15-year-old narrator Mary Russell is out walking across the Sussex Downs and stumbles onto the retired Sherlock Holmes watching bees. Russell, as Holmes calls her, is feisty, intellectual, and unabashedly feminist. She's also not afraid to contradict Sherlock Holmes. Naturally, he finds these qualities appealing, and soon Russell becomes his apprentice. The book traces Russell's training as they embark on a series of small mysteries and travel to Wales to find the kidnapped daughter of an American senator. For the rest of the book, they grapple with an anonymous opponent worthy of Moriarty. This leisurely paced mystery with a strong sense of place will appeal to fans of Sherlock Holmes or Maisie Dobbs. You may also remember me talking about 44 Scotland Street, the first book in the series of the same title by Alexander McCall Smith. It's about a group of mostly charming, witty neighbors who live at 44 Scotland Street in Edinburgh, Scotland. There's 20-year-old Pat, now in her second gap year, and Bruce, her narcissistic flatmate, the gifted five-year-old saxophone player, Bertie, who, in spite of his pushy mother, just wants to live as a normal boy, as well as the eccentric widow, Dominica, and several others. Originally published serially in a newspaper, the book's chapters are quite short and episodic. I especially recommend listening to this one on audio. It's the book that really got me into listening to audiobooks. I highly recommend Nevernight by Jay Kristoff, book one of the Nevernight Chronicle. This series follows Mia Corveri, a young woman who seeks revenge against those that destroyed her family. Seamless in the Red Church, an infamous school of assassins in the hopes of becoming a blade of the Lady of Blessed Murder so she can exact her plan of revenge. But someone is after her and has begun spilling blood in the halls of the Red Church. This book, while considerably bloody and violent, has fantastic world building that's heavily influenced by ancient Rome and Venice and is nothing short of compulsory reading. If you're a fan of thrilling young adult literature, I recommend Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo, book one of the Six of Crows duology. But plans are in the works to turn into a trilogy at some point in the future, according to the author. If you read Lee Bardugo's Shadow and Bone trilogy, this series takes place in that same universe, which is known as the, the Grishaverse. So 
Kaz Brecker is a leader of a gang called the Dregs. Kaz is doing all right for himself until he's offered more money than he's ever seen. He just has to break out a scientist from an impenetrable ice prison. As he assembles his crew and embarks on their mission, they realize they aren't the only ones with the same mission. And what they're after could spell destruction for the entire world. It is an absolutely thrilling cinematic heist novel set in a fantastically realized world with complex characters that can be enjoyed even by adults. Um, also in April, uh, the Shadow and Bone Netflix series will debut that pulls from both the Shadow and Bone trilogy and the Six of Crows series. So that should be fun. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And then my final recommendation is Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse first in her Six World series. This series follows Maggie Hosky, a gifted monster hunter. After World experienced a climactic apocalypse and drowned, Danita, formerly the Navajo Reservation, has been reborn, and now the gods and monsters from legend have woken up to roam the land. The people have built a wall to protect what they have left from the monsters and witches who seek to destroy it. Maggie Hosky is sought out by a small town to help them find a missing girl. She asks a powerful medicine man named Kai Arviso to assist her. As they track down clues and deal with trickster gods, they come to realize the monster they seek is much more than they thought. I've heard nothing but rave reviews about this series and plan to start it soon. Um, in 2019, it was nominated for both the Hugo and the Nebula Awards, so it's got to be good, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> two big ones. Yeah. If you enjoy high fantasy like Lord of the Rings and monster training stories like Pokemon, I highly recommend The Novice by uh, Taryn Mataru. This is the first book in Mataru's Summoner series, which follows Fletcher, the son of a village blacksmith. While defending himself from an assault, Fletcher finds a spell which summons a tiny demon companion. Now, these aren't biblical demons. They're just tiny monsters that can perform specialized tasks. They're, they're cute. Um, <laughs> afterward, Fletcher narrowly escapes being framed for a crime and finds himself enrolled in Vokin's Academy where he will study summoning, uh, and where we'll encounter some, some of the usual high fantasy staple like elves and dwarves. Come for the fantasy, stay for the pocket monster vibes. The Novice is available from JCPL in ebook from Libby slash Kentucky Libraries Unbound and in hard copy. Do you enjoy fantasy worlds intersecting with the real world? Check out A Blade So Black by L.L. McKinney. We follow 17-year-old Alice in Atlanta, Georgia, as she mourns her father's death. Alice finds herself attacked by a creature made of fear and is pulled into a dream world fantasy of the real world. Now, does that make sense? Um, think of, think of a, an Atlanta Wonderland mashup, sort of. Uh, here, Alice learns to fight with weapons and martial arts before delving into a dark wonderland to save a friend. Well, I haven't read this one just yet. I'm really excited for this story of a strong black teen taking the lead in a fantasy novel. A Blade So Black is available from JCPL in audio from Hoopla Digital and as an ebook or audiobook on Libby slash uh, Kentucky Libraries Unbound. The third book in the Nightmare Verse series is coming out this year. So get a hop on the series now. Because, <laughs> you know, the White Rabbit and 
Ellison Berlin <laughs> and all that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, all of my suggestions so far have been pretty action heavy. Prefer a slow burning mystery? Try The Gilded Wolves by Roshani Chakshi, maybe. This fantasy novel follows treasure hunter and deposed noble Severin in a reimagined 1889 Paris. Power is centered on orders that hoard magic artifacts, pieces of the broken Tower of Babel. Severin bands with a team of underdogs to steal one such artifact and retain his seat among the Paris nobility. This story involves a wonderfully diverse cast and alternates among four characters' viewpoints. The Gilded Wolves by Roshani Chakshi is available from JCPL in a variety of formats. Thanks for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. For more information about the podcast or the Books and Bites challenge, visit our website at jesspublib.org slash books hyphen bites. Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his album In Close Quarters with the Enemy. You can find out more about Scott and his music on his website, adorforadesk.com.